Hello, everybody, and welcome back to TMR's Check-In Podcast. I know we're a number of weeks into 2022 already, but I just want to say a happy belated new year to all the travel industry people out there. We're sort of coming up on the two-year anniversary of COVID's impact here in North America. And while we still have a ways to go, it's important to sort of take some time to think about just how far we've come in those last two years, especially during those depths of those first few weeks of the pandemic. I also want to say it's great to be back and and talking to so many travel industry people here in 2022. There's a sense of optimism out there that continues to grow as the weeks go by and as bad news sort of finds its way farther and farther from the front of our mind. So happy new year. And I'm, I'm very much optimistic about 2022 and I hope you all are too. So John DiOrio, who's the vice president of North American sales at Virgin Voyages, he's my guest for this episode, the first one of our 2022 season. He's someone who I thought would be a perfect fit to kick off this new year for us. For those of you who don't know, which in my mind is probably very few of you, uh, Virgin Voyages officially launched last year. I got to see its first ship, Scarlet Lady, here in New York last fall, and it was just this really great moment to see the ship for the first time sitting off of a pier on the west side of Manhattan. And after all this bad news in 2020 for the cruise industry, and then a, a continued progression in 2021 with, with ships getting back in the water and schedules resuming. Standing in front of that ship, it was just this sort of finally moment for an industry that's been through so much. For me, seeing the mermaid on the hull art and, and getting physical actual proof that this dynamic brand and this industry icon was officially in the cruise industry was just this surreal feeling. I think it buoys the whole industry when a company as dynamic and as, as exciting as Virgin gets into the industry and, and starts to shake things up. It's definitely been a transformative time for cruising and I fully expect that transformation to continue over the next few years as the industry continues to rebuild itself. But for Virgin, the way the way it builds its ships, the way it talks about the cruise ex- experience and the way it treats and talks about travel advisors, it's sort of bringing this fairly new and fresh take to the industry and I think it could help bring a new set of cruisers in to the industry post-COVID. Um, in this conversation with John, I tried to get some of what's behind Virgin during that talk. Uh, we also talk about his career in travel, including his years at Mark Travel, which is something he shares with so many people, and what the value of good leadership really is. Um, it's, a, it's a great conversation, and it, it's one I want to thank John for, for having with me. We have some great guests lined up for the rest of the 2022 season, so please keep an eye out. It's always so great to have the privilege to talk to you all. And it's great to be talking to so many incredible travel people right now. Let's check in with John. Dan, good morning. Good morning, John. How are you? Good, how are you? Oh, fantastic, fantastic. You sound, yeah, you sound, uh, you're, you're in Florida, right? You're in sort of South Florida? Yeah, I'm in Plantation. Yeah, I imagine there's uh, worse places to wake up than, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I'll, I'd be lying to you if I was like, okay, it's gotten really cold here. It's an unseasonably cold spell. Um, I've had to turn my heat on, actually. My kids were so cold this morning. I'm like, really? That's, what I, it's all good. that's what I read. I read that. I read some like on, on social media and stuff like that. Floridians complaining about the bad weather. And we just we just had such a bad spell here in, in New oh. York. Yeah, that I, can, I can't. Me. I don't take any sympathy. Yeah. No, you shouldn't have it. You should tell those people. I, like, I, I hear my colleagues. I'm like, God, we have really gotten pretty 
I, like it's not that cold, right? But I know in fairness, my boss woke up yesterday. She's over in Siesta Key this week and, and it was like 34 degrees when she woke up and she go walk on the beach. Like that's not normal. No, no, that's so, not. Yeah, 34 is bad. It's it's 30 in New York right now and it's still, it's, it's very cold. There's like disgusting snow outside. Yeah. yeah. It's always nice when it snows, like the first time every season. We were talking about this yesterday, me and my team. Uh, the first snow every season here is very nice. It's very like charming, but it, it, it loses charm so quickly. Oh, yeah. I mean, I grew up in upstate New York and it, yeah, charming is a nice way of saying, yeah, you, you, you like the first, but at, for the rest of the season, you can't wait for April. Exactly. Wait, so what part What part of upstate New York did you grow up on? I grew up in the Binghamton area. Where did you end up? Like, how did you, how did you, I guess, get out of Binghamton? So, it, you know, I ended up getting out of Binghamton. My cousin was planning on going to this travel school in Pittsburgh. And I was kind of through a first year of college, not quite sure what the hell I was doing yet and wanted to do. And, but I was like not having a good time at college, stayed local. And ended up going with her. I said, Oh, I'll do this with you. This sounds exciting travel and tourism. And I, you know, and like a week before she, we were supposed to head to Pittsburgh and we were going to like live there for four or five months. She backed out. And I was like, well, we've already paid for this and I'm going. I went to the Wilma Boyd travel school in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I think back in the day it was very well known. And that's how I learned to be in the travel business and become a travel advisor. And that's how I started my career, ironically. I mean, that's a big leap to take. I'm, what's like, what, at your, when you're at that point in your life, what's your perception of travel? I'm wondering like what, what I, it's, it's, it seems like such an attractive industry from the outside and it is from the inside as well. But uh, I was just wondering, what were you feeling at that point? I really, Dan, I had no clue to be honest. Like, like, go, like going on a vacation, like travel to me was, the once a year going to Wildwood, New Jersey for a week, right? You know, and spend some time at the, at the shore, right? That was, that was travel and tourism for me because that's what we did. That was our, you know, growing up in the seventies and early eighties, we didn't go to New York city to Manhattan and do that kind of stuff. Cause that wasn't, you didn't, parents didn't take their kids there back then. It wasn't the right time. So yeah, that that is so. So you you mentioned what was your? I'm just. I know you've had some Mark Travel experience, which I want to talk about too, because I know like the lineage of Mark Travel is just all yeah. across the industry right now. But I was wondering, what was your, what was your first uh, job in travel? After I mean, you go to Pittsburgh, you you and you go to the school. I mean, what was yeah. what was your sort of starting point in the industry? Yeah, for me, I I got hired out of the school um, with a company out of Lanham, Maryland called the Encore Travel Club. And Encore Travel Club basically served credit card members that paid to become part of a travel club. And so my first job was sitting in a call center selling everything. You wanted airline tickets, trips to Hawaii. You wanted to book a cruise. My job was to pick up the phone. They had a list of benefits. And I was basically, I worked in a call center. And my very first, and to this day, I remember it. The first thing I ever sold was a Northwest Airlines ticket from Minneapolis to Miami. And that's how I got started in travel. That was it. That was the first thing. But I, I had such a broad knowledge from the school learning what airport codes were and how to write tickets. And you learned all the different GDS systems to then 
doing the practical work of learning how to talk to customers and actually, you know, probing and understanding their budgets and finding out the right product to map to their needs. And that's really where it started for me. I know there's like this discussion now, especially like it seems like a pop culture thing about 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 college, about school, about its worth. And I one thing I want I want to think I think I think I would have loved to have guidance on is just how to talk to people and how to network with people and things like that. And like it's not even just the customer service thing. I think it's like building relationships is just something I feel like I've had to learn on the fly. And that seems yeah. like something, yeah, you, you had to sort of get, get thrown into too. You, you kind of do because you, and it, and again, I think in that environment, you're doing it all over the phone, right? You know, you may have had, you know, in person and you talk to people, but the reality is you are having these conversations and guiding people on planning their holiday, whether it's an airline ticket or a trip cruise, whatever, but you're doing that. You're not seeing these people. There was no video chat back then. You know, we were, you know, landlines, headphones on, cords attached to phones. Like this was, you know, the way it was, but yeah, that you really had to learn. I think the key thing that I learned from the school and then with the leaders I worked with is how to ask the right questions, those probing questions to understand how to map that right vacation and put the right product opportunities in front of someone. And that was what the fun part. What are the pro? What are I mean? I know a lot of advisors will probably have those questions in their head too. But what are what are your recommendations for good probing questions to to be asking to clients? I think it's about. I think the first thing you really want to understand, especially if it's a new client, right, that you've never worked with before, it's understanding what they've done before. Give me some of that. I mean, you and you got to have that time to understand that. What other trips have you taken? What type of experiences do you have when you go to some destination or take a cruise? Like, what do you like to do? Because I think that takes that hundred thousand foot view of I want to go on vacation to okay, now I kind of know what you're thinking of and what you like to do. I can get a sense of your experience and your style. And I think that just you got to work in budget at some point, but let's first understand what they're trying to experience in the past. And if they're looking for something similar, or are they looking for something different? And that's, I think you start with those type of probing questions, especially if it's a new, if it's a new client. I, I imagine that experience has helped you throughout your career, knowing, knowing sort of the firsthand experience that the travel advisors go through. And uh, especially in the position you are in now, like I know I, I, it's a belated congratulations, but on the, on the promotion too. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. But I imagine ha knowing what uh, so, sort of your partners or your first mates are going through or going through is important to, to sort of success in your role. Yeah. You know, what we see, I, I think when we think about what the advisors are doing today uh, on our first mate side that are really making them just successful, we've seen it. And it's really just leveraging the data where we've kind of gotten over the past year and a half is those that are going through our C Academy training program, it makes all the difference. We are we have four tiers as part of our C Academy learning platform. We have seen that those that get through our final tier, our gold tier, they're selling four times as many cabins as those that are just going through the violet tier, our first tier. So we we are encouraging our first mates to get through that training, getting that that base knowledge of what our what our experience is and what Virgin Voyages is all about, getting them the opportunity to get on board the ship and really experiencing it. When those two things happen, 
the, the engagement from the first mate to go back out and share on social, whether they're on the ship doing it in real time or coming back and curating, this is what my experience was. It makes all the difference in the world of seeing the bookings come in from our first mates. What does it boil down to though? I mean, uh, I know a lot, I spend time on, I got to, I got to sort of preview the ship a little bit last year and it was, I, and I, I kind of got the feel for it, but I don't think I could describe it probably as well as you could. Aside from the product and the product knowledge that advisors will get through the Sea Academy, which is you mentioned, what, I mean, yeah. what does it boil down to? What makes Virgin Voyages different from the rest of the cruise industry? Well, I, I think, Dan, it started with the philosophy of what, Virgin Voyages was trying to create and what they've created. And, and it's this epic sea change for all. That's that's our that's our mission. That's our brand purpose. And what we do in typical Virgin companies is we look to create something uniquely different. We didn't want to be like everyone else. That's not the that's not the DNA of Virgin companies. So when we took a look at what was happening in the cruise industry, and there's some great products out there. We wanted to create something different. So we call that set sail the virgin way and it really okay. it boils down to if you think about the glamour of a boutique hotel just imagine that floating on the ocean and we kind of sprinkle in that virgin service and style that we've been known for for 50 years and that kind of creates that foundation of creating that unique experience and then it's just it's all the different things that come with it. It's that adult only experience. That right there is one of the big differentiators when you sail with us, doing things without a lot of rules and restrictions. And so that really creates that foundation of that unique experience when you sail with Virgin Voyages. I got to preview the ship. I I, I didn't yeah. I, I didn't sail on like a consumer sailing. And like, what does it feel like on board during a regular consumer sailing? Like what? What's sort of the the feeling like the vibe? I know the vibe is like a buzzword now, but what's like? What does it feel like on board? <laughs> like just on a regular sailing? Is it is it this party atmosphere or is it is it something completely different? No, it, it's it is a very adult oriented, focused, um, very chilled vibe. And I think the best way of looking at it, you know, we. We designed the ship very differently. And so we've got our roundabout, which is really the heartbeat of the ship. And this is where everything kind of starts and takes place. But think if you think about the, the experience, again, having an adult only really changes the, the vibe of the ship compared to what folks may have experienced in the past when cruising. So that first and foremost just sets the vibe. Like you realize you're not on a ship with kids anymore. Um, and that's not a bad thing, but you, that right there sets a very different vibe for that experience. The food that we've created in the restaurants also enhance that kind of unique experience because now, you know, no offense to those that love chicken nuggets and I love them as well, but like the, the food, the way we've curated the menus are all designed with adults in mind and saying, how would we really create some unique dining experiences that you won't get anywhere else. It's not like we're taking a chain from land and bring it on. We have made these different dining experiences come to life on board our ships. But it's not a party atmosphere. I think we'll throw epic parties. We have Scarlet Night, which is just an epic party that we do on every single one of our sailings. But it's really about curating your own experience on board. You can have those, those kind of relaxing zen-like moments throughout the day, but then you may want to stay and be in the manor, our nightclub, until 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. It's really 
I like to say you can kind of create your own kind of soundtrack depending on how you feel that given day. There's no, there's no, you know, cookie cutter approach. Create your own soundtrack and have a great time. One thing that stood out to me was if like when you're on board, it feels like a small ship. It doesn't feel like you're on a massive ship. And that that seemed to be something that was purposely done by by the design team to make you feel like within a smaller experience as a part of this large ship. And it it does. It is completely unique, I feel like, to the rest of the industry. No, the design part was, you know, from the outside, when you look at the ship just in general, like, wow, this looks different. It's got a, you know, it's strikingly different from just the color and the layout. Uh, but it's really about uh, we kind of we kind of refer to that as the boutique glamour, especially when you look at the inside of the ship. We hired seven different designers that really came in to create these unique places and, and spaces on board the ship. And the best way we've seen our first mates describe this to us and our sailors is that there are no large places. There's a lot of intimate places where you can just relax, have a cocktail, have a, have a nice conversation with with your fellow travelers. And even to the size, the way we designed our six main restaurants, they're not, you know, they, they hold as maybe at most 220 uh, sailors. So it was designed for those intimate kind of dining experiences and having a, you know, a nice cocktail. We didn't like the idea of mass buffets, things like that. It, it was designed purposely with intimacy. I'm curious if you, I mean, do you have a favorite part of the ship? Because I remember during the rollout, <laughs> it seemed like every yeah. other week I was getting news about this, like something that was never before offered on a cruise ship going to be offered yeah. on Scarlet Lady. And I, yeah, I'm curious if, if any of those features stand out in your head. You know, for me, when I when I came on the ship for the very first time, there was, I mean, it was, it was there was a lot of excitement and what you wanted to see first. But at, I have now sailed a few times. Mm-hmm. Just recently, last week, I actually sailed at like, at, on vacation. I didn't have to wear my badge. I was purely on the ship as a sailor and experiencing it. And I got to tell you, the the I think my favorite part of the ship is the dock. It's it's on deck seven. It's on the on the back of the ship, and it's you know the dock is the outside portion of it, and we have the dock house which is inside. But the dock has this uh, this kind of chilled kind of music. It's it's kind of a cool vibe. We we serve some of the best food at the dock and in the dock house as well. And it kind of it combines two great things: sitting outside and eating great food. And of course, you could throw a great epic cocktail in there as well. But to me, that was I've, I've been at the dock on a few of the sailings over the past three or four months. But this past sailing, actually being on vacation and sitting back there and just sailing and listening to the music and eating this amazing food. To me now, that is my favorite part of the ship. Yeah, I yeah, I, I was I was just so completely impressed by everything it, like not just the design and what's offered, but how the ship was built and how the how the effort that had to go into building a ship. I, I remember my tour guide was telling oh. me about uh, the Korean barbecue and how like oh. it's, it's it seems so easy putting a Korean barbecue on restaurant on a ship, but it's it's really not like there's so many there's so many thoughts and so many things that have to go into it. The, the, the amount of work, and this is one of the stories we, you know, as you kind of come into the company, you learn about what we were designing and, and the concepts and the restaurants, but Gunbei, which is our Korean barbecue restaurant. Um, so this past sailing that I just got off of, I've been waiting to have that experience where I was truly there as a sailor and I ate at Gunbei for the very first time. And it 
more than blew away my expectations of the, the excitement, the food, our crew really helps curate that experience. And it's fun and it's energetic. And, you know, in, in Korean barbecue style, we've got drinking games in the back of the menu if you want to play. But it, but Dan, it started with, it actually started going back years ago. And how do you create this grill on a ship where you can't have open flames and it took our our operations team about three years and lots of trying and how do we create this flameless grill that looks beautiful that will create a fun experience cooks the food perfectly and uh it's it's one of our it's hard to say like what's your best restaurant right but i gotta tell you gun bay is right now probably up there for me because that was such a great dining experience and I also, I just wanted to ask, I, cause the tattoo parlor was a big deal when yes. it was released. I mean, yeah. how popular is that on board? Is that, are people getting tattoos? Uh, I know there's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty famous or a pretty uh, popular artist who's in there, but uh, how popular yeah. is that, that venue? Squid Ink is our tattoo studio. And it's one of those things too. It's one of the first things we talked about as a brand before we even went on sale. And, you know, we got a lot of buzz about this. Like, oh my God, tattoo studio on a cruise ship. Are you kidding me? And, you know, just looking at the first four months of sailing. So when embarkation takes place, we let uh, our sailors start to board between two and five o'clock. And the, the uh, Squid Ink actually opens at five. And what you see on all of our sailings is there's a queue outside waiting to schedule their appointment to get a tattoo. And, you know, we we affectionately like to joke and say, this is your you know permanent uh, kind of souvenir that you're going to get when you sail with Virgin Voyages. But it's, it's amazing the amount of first mates and sailors that have like, I'm getting my very first tattoo ever on board Scarlet Lake because I want I want to be able to tell that story it's very very popular for us okay yeah I was just I was wondering because it is a permanent decision you're making uh it is I, yeah, yeah. I imagine pe I like you always hear those spur of the moment stories with tattoos but uh people seem to be planning them then to getting them on the ship when they're when they're on their sailing too it's true they are they are very much planning it like I said there, there's a queue outside the outside of the entrance before it even officially opens because you have to then schedule that time and talk to the artist and have them understand what you're looking for. And we've got a great selection of, of tattoos. You can just like, hey, this is, I want that, I want this. And they already know how to do those. Or you kind of have that consultant uh, kind of experience and say, this is what I'm looking to do. I want to enhance the tattoo that I already have. It's just great. It's fun to watch people sit in there and get creative and knowing that they're doing it on a ship. It is. It, it is. Everyone talks about like a once in a lifetime experience, but it very much seems <laughs> like a once in a lifetime experience. So one thing I wanted to ask you because yeah. because I've seen you, I've seen your booth at trade shows, and it's always super popular, like amongst the yeah. sea of travel advisors. Virgin's always been like this super distinctive brand, and I think that's what sort of created this buzz for Virgin Voyages when uh, plans were first released. Yeah. Like, what is it? What is it like to come on a team like Virgin Voyages? I mean, yeah. what's the onboarding and the learning process like to sort of fit your way into the team? Yeah, you know, Virgin, it's a very distinct brand, right? It, it's yeah. been around for 50 years. And, you know, when we think about coming to Virgin Voyages, you know, it starts, everybody goes through what we call brand camp. And brand camp, it camp is is our understanding of the history of Richard and the brand itself and how we bring that DNA 
and that culture into Virgin Voyages. And so, you know, we create this brand purpose and we've got our creeds that kind of guide everything we do in the company. But we, we get involved in a lot of just company uh, events. We do a lot of training to really make sure we are living and breathing that culture uh, amongst amongst our crew. And it, it's it's something that's ongoing, Dan. It's not something like you went through brand camp, okay, done. Everything we do is about our kind of our brand purpose and our mission and how we take care of each other as as a crew, because that that is one of the things you'll see. And we hear so much feedback from our sailors and our first mates that your crew is amazing. They're so engaging. It's so different of a vibe. And that starts with how we train every single person in our organization to understanding that brand philosophy. And it just it just kind of oozes out of them in their personality and how they interact with sailors and first mates. Yeah, I mean, are, are there any big things in that training that you think would be applicable to maybe even travel advisors trying to figure out their own brand? Like we've done a lot of uh, webinars about travel advisors trying to build that brand and build that connection with their clients. I mean, any advice you could pass on from the version yeah. training you went on? I would say know what you want to be and, and just be laser focused on doing that really, really well. You know, I think as, as, as advisors, and I've seen it, I've been there, you try to do everything. I think becoming really, really good at a few things, I think will really set you apart. Like be the expert in some things. And, and over time, your expertise grows, right? In terms of your, you know, oh, now I know how to sell this and I'm really good at that. But I think, especially for those coming new into the industry, there is so much product out there. I think when you look at doing from a trick, you know, creating your own brand, sell what you love, sell what you have a passion for. And if you love cruising, then obviously, you know, you know, you got to get into that academy with Virgin Voyages to experience it, to fall in love with it, to be able to sell it. Uh, but I would say definitely find that passion. Try not to be everything to everybody. Try to really focus on the key things that, you know, that you love to sell. And that makes all the difference in the world. And what, one thing I think, again, like the Virgin brand, we've been talking about sort of the Virgin philosophy, like even something as simple as the word choices your you and your team uses for, for <laughs> describing cruising. It, it's, it, 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 it does connect with a different set of cruisers that I assume are the, are the people you want to attract on board. Yeah, it goes back to just creating that different experience. And, you know, it, it's not Virgin cruises, it's Virgin voyages, yeah. right? We first mates versus travel advisors. And again, it's not that because we don't think travel advisors is, is the right name. It's just how we wanted to put our spin on the experience and how we deal with our trade partners and just create those little nuances. Because I think when we we did a lot of research uh, at Virgin Voyages before we launched the brand, we wanted to understand what the travel advisor community wanted to see different in a new brand, what sailors wanted to see different in cruising, what they liked, what they disliked. And we used that data, a year and a half worth of data and focus groups to help us shape that vision and experience for, for Virgin Voyages. And I, it, it just, it's a testament to making sure that you're listening to your customers, potential customers at the time and say, this is what we think is the opportunity within within a great industry. I mean, the cruise industry is an amazing industry and it has been for decades and it will continue. But we, you know, when you're coming new, I mean, how many new cruise lines have started in the last 
10 to 15 years, not many. So we really needed to be laser focused on what we wanted to create to differentiate ourselves in the marketplace. I mean, I got the feeling as a, as someone covering it right away, like, uh, there was a, there was a press conference maybe in 2016 and it was here in New York on one on the top of one world trade. And, uh, right away, it just felt, it just felt different. Like, uh, I've been to a lot of press conferences, a lot of cruises, but like, yeah, the version one, I mean, Richard was there, which obviously makes things very different, but I uh, just, it, the feeling, the vibe in the press conference felt different right away. No, it's, it's a, it, it, again, it starts from the philosophy of creating this very distinct experience and really staying very focused on that philosophy and, but listening along the way, right? Even over the past few, four, you know, three or four months, we're getting great feedback from our sailors and our first mates. It's not changing the overall philosophy of what we're building, but we're making tweaks based on, based, uh, based on some great feedback from our, from our sailors. Yeah, what, what what kind of tweaks have you made? What's uh, what sort of the feedback been driving? <laughs> you know, so we we ask a lot of questions when our sailors and first mates get off the ship, and one of the one of the specific examples is you know after about the first month of sailing, we were asked the question. We started getting a lot of questions of now this is in October, right? So we're in the middle of football yeah. season. You know, and the feedback was, well, how am I supposed to watch pro football or college football on the weekends on board your ship? And, you know, that was like, okay, that's a really great question. How are we going to do that? We really, we've got these beautiful TVs in our cabins. We've got a great selection of movies, but we didn't have live sports to watch football games. And so... We took that feedback for about a month and a half and we decided to make some changes. And so now we've got ESPN in all the cabins so that you can obviously watch live sports, but we took it a step further and said, where else can we put televisions on board the ship for that kind of community event of wanting to watch uh, football? So, just like I said, I was just on the ship last week, and we now have TVs installed in our social club. And this is this is part of the ship where we've got foosball and air hockey, and we've got an arcade, and we got these just tables where you can sit and play games. But on the wall, we put these two big TVs up now, so now you can watch the Super Bowl. You know, those that were on the ship on Sunday you know, watch the championship game. So those are the little things that we, we listen to what our sailors are giving us in terms of feedback and making those quick changes to enhance the experience. Yeah, that is, that's such a smart change. I never even consider that. I've been on cruise ships and yeah. have like tried to get weird streams going on my laptop to try to figure out a way to watch whatever sports I was trying to watch. So that is, that that is incredible. It's, and I guess, it, yeah. Yeah, it was one of those things like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, well, who wants to go on vacation and watch pro football for four hours on a Sunday? I'm like, go, go to the beach club, go to the, do these other things. But then, but the reality is they want to do that. And it, it's a great opportunity for our you know crew to interact with our sailors. And, um, you know, you, you can tell it's already, it's working. It's going to, it's just creates that difference vibe and we, we love it uh so so the last thing i wanted to ask you about just because i've had i had just had this conversation with jackie marks uh my last episode <laughs> yeah she was she was at mark travel too and i know there's such a legacy with the with the lamakias and i just want because yeah. you, you spent a couple of years there, i just wanted to sort of get your take and uh hear about your experience at mark travel and sort of the lessons you've you've took from uh from that time it's it was probably one of the you know best gigs of my career at Mark Travel. And I, I think it as I 
started thinking about this, it, it really kind of, if you think about that, what Bill LaMacchia created, just that family love and that culture, he set the foundation for the vibe of that company. And he brought in great leaders. And those leaders really set an example for you know new folks coming in in leadership roles. And it inspired you to be like, okay, you, you understood the philosophy of the company. And the great leaders, there's probably lots of them that have come through Mark Travel over the decades. And honestly, the ones that I really remember getting to know and, and getting some really great lessons from uh, the late Mike Going was one of them. Uh, obviously, Jackie Marks and Ray Snisky. I mean, you know, they're there today. Uh, were great influences uh, while I was there, and of course, Barbie Groves, who uh, was my direct leader. And there's just that's just a few of the great leaders that have come through that company. But it's it's about that culture that Bill LaMacchia created, and just oozed into every part of the organization. And uh, uh, it was it was a great great experience working. There. What was the, I mean? What was the change like going from going from Mark Travel to Virgin? I mean, I, I there's <laughs> there they, there's both very strong philosophies and very strong uh, sort of structures in, in both organizations, but they do seem very different. Yeah, I, I would say that I think at that time at Mark Travel and, and, and coming to Virgin Voyages, you know, I think that the fundamental similarities was having a very strong philosophy on the type of company and culture they wanted to create. And they stayed very true to that. And so going from Mark Travel, which again, at that time was a family owned business still, but it was much larger than Virgin Voyages was in terms of the number of employees. I think when I came on board with Virgin Voyages, you know, I might've been employee number 85 perhaps, but there was the strong culture that both Mark Travel and Virgin Voyages wanted to make sure that, that, um, their employees knew about and they just live and breathe that. So that's, that was the civil, it wasn't a, it wasn't a big leap going from Mark travel to Virgin voyages. I think the bigger leap for me personally is if, if I look back in my career, working at Mark travel, I was selling a lot of other people's products, whether it was, you know, all inclusive resort products, airline products, excursions, right? We were the middleman kind of bringing those packages together for travel advisors to sell. With Virgin Voyages, what was really intriguing to me, outside of having the opportunity to work with a Virgin brand, was this was a product that was, was our product, right? The buck stopped with us. If there was a problem with an experience, it's our product. So that was kind of a, that was a shift for me. Like it was it going from selling other people's products as a package to now selling our our brand product, you know, purely that supply product, which was which has been fun because now you can you can take you know a deeper dive into knowing everything. When I worked at Mark Travel, I had to know a lot about I had to know a little bit about a lot of products all over the world. For Virgin, I just need to know our product, and I just now I just get to know it as deep as possible, all the little nuances, the policies, the different restaurants. That's been really really fun to to learn and have our team learn it and then get that information out to our first mates. Do you feel personally connected to Virgin now? I mean, you spent four, I think four years now, you joined in 2018. Um, yeah. You spoke about like, this is this is yours. This is something you own. Um, yeah. Do you feel like it's a part of your personality now? Do you feel connected uh, to the product? I do. It's, you know, it has, you kind of get into that culture and, and you know, whether you use the phrase of drinking that virgin Kool-Aid, so to speak, but there really is 
there is a unique vibe here that is, is it's it's hard to explain. And it, and it really starts, it starts from our senior leaders all the way down to our, the crew on board the ship. And we all kind of are going in the same direction. We know what we're trying to accomplish. And so it's hard not to, like, I can't imagine not being part of Virgin Voyages because it's, it's, it fits my personality. It, it's a, it's just a fun environment. I work with an amazing group uh, on, on the sales crew and our leadership that we all have the same vision and the same goal. We're building something very unique and we're part of something that, that just hasn't been done, that isn't done very often. So that ground, getting into that ground floor and saying, we helped build this. You know, I, I'm hoping 20 years from now, I'll look back and go, this was one of, if not the best uh, experiences of my life. Well, I think that's a uh, it's great uh, great note to wrap up here today on. Um, again, congratulations on, on your new role. I think Valiant Ladies is it next? Is it March? The Valiant Ladies sort of hits the waters. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. yeah we've got so much coming down the road. Um, yeah. We've got obviously the launch of our terminal down at Port Miami uh, in a few weeks. Terminal V. But Valiant Ladies is going to set sail March 18th out of Portsmouth for a few months before starting. Her uh, kind of moving to her summer home in Barcelona, and then we'll bring her to Miami in November of this year. But then, you know, in June, we'll take delivery of our third lady ship, Resilient Lady, and she'll start her summer season in Athens, Greece, before we bring her to San Juan, Puerto Rico in November. So we're really excited. We have so much so much more to come with Virgin Voyages. Yeah, and I know the buzz the buzz amongst advisors is, is, is sky high too. So again, congrats on all the success. And yeah, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today too. And, and stay warm. I know it's, it's not very cold down there, but uh, no, it could always get worse too. Yes, that's true. Dan, I appreciate everything you guys are doing and uh, it's good chatting with you. All right, well, hopefully I'll be able to see you in person soon too. Sounds good, Dan. Take care. Take care.